Hello, this is Ken Benson, President and CEO of SIFMA, and this is another edition of SIFMA's podcast series. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, the U.S. repurchase agreement markets or the U.S. repo markets and what's been going on in those markets this week. Joining me are two of my colleagues, Rob Toomey, Associate General Counsel and Managing Director, uh, who oversees our rates group, and Carter McDowell, uh, Associate General Counsel uh, and Managing Director who oversees our prudential work. Uh, we're going to have a discussion about the repo market, what's been happening, uh, what actions have been taken, and where we go from here. So with that, uh, let me start, and I'm going to start with Rob. Rob, what is the repo market, and who are its participants? Yeah, first off, what a repo is. A repo basically is an exchange of cash and securities with an agreement to reverse that in in the future basically what it is is and usually it's done very short term it's a secured loan and most importantly it's an institutional market this is not a retail market large institutions with large portfolios of securities um, that need to raise cash will use that um, portfolio to enter the repo market to raise cash and then reverse that back and similarly the um, the cash providers in this market are large holders of cash it can be money market funds hedge funds large corporate entities that want to get some short term return on the funds in a very safe and liquid manner and the repo market's done this for years it has a four trillion almost a four trillion dollar daily turnover and it's safe efficient and well tested over time to meet the needs of these large institutions. So what happened this week in the repo market? There's been a lot of uh, press coverage. What, what, what happened? Indeed, what happened was the basic um, cost to raise funds in the repo market, particularly on Monday and Tuesday and into Wednesday this week, rose and rose in a significant way. Um, the repo market and the rate in the repo market, the rate to borrow funds in the repo market generally tracks other short-term um, interest rates and had been running in the order of, say, two two and a quarter percent within sort of the FOMC's target range for the federal funds rate. And that significantly started to rise on Monday to rates for, for Treasury repo to almost 5%, and on Tuesday there were some even higher numbers. Um, there were pressures put on from a number of factors, and there's some very specific to this week, particularly on Monday, um, some significant liquidity providers, cash providers to the repo market, had uh, pulled away because they had corporate tax payments that would do. These tax payments go to Treasury, Treasury deposits them in the Fed, and they're they're essentially outside the system. As well, there were significant um, cash needs for those who were settling recently sold U.S. Treasury securities. And those, again, there were payments to the Treasury. Those that that money came out of the system and wasn't available for participants in the repo market. The other side of this, there are some longer-term trends that are impacting the amount of, um, I guess, cash that's available here. Some of those include, uh, you know, as the Fed, which had been through its um, uh, QE program over time, growing its balance sheet, has over the last few years reversed that. And the result of that is some liquidity comes out of, some cash comes out of the market. As well, um, there's a significant increase in the issuance of new Treasury securities. And, uh, you know, there's more securities that require more funding and more, um, you know, cash 
availability in the repo market. And finally, as well, um, there have been obviously changes in the regulatory structure and particularly around leverage requirements and liquidity requirements for firms. And notwithstanding that they are well capitalized and have um, significant amount of reserves, they're not necessarily available for the repo market. So this sounds more like a supply and demand question uh, that had a technical impact because of a confluence of events. But this wasn't necessarily a question or this wasn't a question of whether or not there were sufficient reserves in the banking system or bank balance sheet. Is that what you're saying? Or Carter, do you want yeah, to talk about that? I'll just quickly and then I'll, I'll, I'll let Carter comment as well. But yeah, that's absolutely right. There are sufficient reserves in the banking system. But this was just a, I think, a confluence of you know technical issues, some one offs um, that impacted the availability of cash earlier in the week. Yeah, and Ken, what I would add is there's you know more than a trillion dollars of additional capital in the system since the crisis, and there's probably three times as much liquidity on bank balance sheets as there had been in the past, primarily held in high-quality liquid assets. However, under these new regulations, there's not a lot of flexibility on the bank's balance sheet to use that when you have these types of ripples. Um, the regulations require these um, liquidity requirements and capital requirements be met on a daily basis, and so there's not a whole lot of flexibility that banks have to release that when they see these kind of temporary um, uh, ripples or disruptions. So, so maybe talk about short term and, and medium and long term. In the short term, what what is what what did the Fed do uh, to address this this week? They took several actions. Have talked about actions taking next week. Right. And uh, significantly in the repo, the, the Fed uses the repo market to manage its mandate to hit the FOMC's target in the Fed funds rate. And it does that through engaging in repo transactions with the primary dealers. And this week, when the repo rates started going up, they started putting pressure on the Fed funds rate, which, again, is the target rate that the, is the rate that the Fed targets. And so what the Fed did was, with its primary dealers, it instituted a series each night or each morning. It did a uh, repo with the primary dealer community, and the levels were $75 billion a day. These were overnight facilities to essentially inject cash into the system with the intent of, again, hitting the Fed, hitting the um, uh, Fed funds rate, but also it eased conditions in the repo market and allowed more cash to get to um, security holders who wanted to, um, you know, who needed to access that cash. So over the long run, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be necessarily sustainable for the Fed to continue to be entering the market as much as is this a, something where policymakers should be looking at some of these rules that, uh, you know, Carter, you and Rob talked about where there is a little bit of brittleness in the system. Obviously, liquidity and, and capital are important uh, to stability in the banking system, but we see where you could have a, you know, this, uh, other confluences like this or, a, or maybe a uh, uh, another period of, of stress related to macroeconomic conditions or whatever it may be. Is this an opportunity for policymakers to take a look? Rob, you want to jump in on what they might be 
starting to do next week on the intermediate, and I'll take a crack at longer term. Yeah, because we think, yeah, we think intermediate and longer term. Intermediate, the Fed is next next week has announced this morning that they're going to be instituting a series of auctions for longer term repos rather than overnight. They're going to do some overnights as well. They've already announced that, um, and it's a significant numbers. Um, the auctions, the uh, terms are 30 billion, and I think the overnights are around 75 billion. But um, and also a little longer term, the FOMC uh, a couple meetings ago had announced that it was thinking of creating a standing repo facility, and I think the the the, the real cruxes in the details of that, what that was going to look, what that will look like, and whether or not there are different ways to deal with some of this brittleness. And I'm going to Carter talk particularly around thinking about recalibrating the uh, regulatory structure around this. Yeah, so this flows right into, you know, a whole series of actions that the prudential agencies are looking at, which is to tailor the regulations. Um, when most of these rules were put in place, uh, we, the United States gold-plated the rules, so we went above and beyond what was mandated at the global level. And so I think there's some discussion that's taking place now about whether or not it's time to dial that back a little bit so that you inject more of this flexibility into the system. Not with the idea of trying to reduce the amount of capital or liquidity on bank balance sheets so that if we were to have another crisis sometime down the road, but rather what is how do we strike a better balance here so that we've got um, – so we're not negatively impacting the day-to-day operations of these markets as we saw this week vis-a-vis what might or might not happen um, in, a, in a more severe stress situation. Great. So, uh, uh, Carter, Rob, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for those insights. And this is something, obviously, SIFMA will be following closely through our various committees that are involved in, in these actions. And uh, we will look forward to additional podcasts on this and other topics in the future. Thank you. Thank you.